Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. thrust myself backward, attempting to deny the blade in my throat an additional depth. Simultaneously, I fired my elbow behind me, hoping to catch my attacker in some vital place. I felt as if I were struggling with a curling wisp of smoke, ephemeral and dainty, with only the smiling wound in my throat for proof of a solid attacker. My elbow swept across what could have been the fabric of a long coat, which hung loose and flowing around its wearer. Nothing so firm as a killer who managed a blade as a poet wielded words. The man continued to talk as if my movements had done nothing to disturb his perch near my ear. 
Nice try, my less than gentle giant. But you'll have to be a little faster than that if you're going to avoid getting scratched off my list. My sister hissed through the darkness, where should have been the lips of my taunting assailant. I began to suspect that the killing dream had worked altogether differently for this particular wolf. Finally, I grasped the wide collar of a coat. I raised the killer up above my head, which was all too easy, considering his near weightlessness. I would have certainly tried to crush my attacker while I held him aloft, had only the blade in his hand not continued to bury itself in my throat. My blood had long since filled my eyes, but I didn't need them to hurl my enemy into the nearby wall. After the body left my hands, only silence followed, not even a single gasp for breath or creaking of old wood. I wiped the blood from my eyes and swung my sisters into the darkness around me. Their smiles fell only upon the open air. Suddenly, I was alone again, as if death hadn't just had me by the throat. I moved to the doorway and looked out over the tangles of creepers and moss-smothered cement blocks that once formed the great courtyard to the dead house. From the moon-dappled shadows that spilled from the bowing willows came the voice that had only moments ago lingered at my right ear. You're a feisty one, big fella. Honestly, I've taken you for a bit of a brute, given your size. But you've got a little more than just muscle and moxie to offer, don't you? Hell, you almost caught me once or twice with that big old knife of yours. But I'll know better next time around. Word of advice? Stay awake. You got lucky this time. The voice faded into the night. I turned back toward the abandoned house and re-examined it. This was not a structure that had only served as a provisional surface upon which a dream of a forgotten house had been projected. Rather, this was the forgotten house itself. I had lived here once, as a child, long ago. Almost immediately, the thought of my recent attacker passed, and I was filled with a wonder at the house that seemed to have fallen in that very moment from darkest recollection and nightmare. My sisters tried desperately to pull me away into the forest, far from the house, but I refused their invitations to play. Likewise, my father burned me where he dwelt upon my back demanding my withdrawal from the place of my forgotten youth. But I ignored him as well, instead returning to the rooms of the house. While I was ostensibly entering a material structure, I felt as if I were passing into the halls of my own mind, where a secret past barely lived, having nearly been crushed to death beneath so much time and neglect. One room above all others called to me, and I instantly knew why. It was the room where once was assembled a curious art gallery, an ever-growing tribute to visions that lurked the other side of the eye. It was a special place that hid itself beyond a false wall. Its presence was so smartly concealed that not even the inhabitants of the house knew of it, save for the master of the gallery my father. My real father. Through means of his artist's blood. Yet he was an artist from hell, 
whose paints were the dripping fires of darkest nightmare. A material all too often confused with the stuff of the unraveled human body, which is itself only the incomplete translation of a dream, perpetuated by a dead world that is wholly unconcerned with the alignment of life with truth. My father strived, perhaps quite in vain, to return the requisite chaos of man's better parts. But like all those before him, and quite possibly after him, he failed. I realized, sooner than I was prepared for, that I had always been my father's son. I unconsciously outlined his life's purpose, all while walking and waking as he had, lonely, inspired, and lethal. I could remember nothing else about living in the house, save perhaps the still glowing embers of a single horrible night. My father took me gently by the arm and led me through a great hallway. The darkness of an unlit room fell over us, but his pace remained brisk. A door was open somewhere, and I could feel a cold breeze kiss my cheeks. I breathed it in, tasting smoke and death. There were stairs leading gradually downward, gently glazed in the smolder of orange candlelight. My father cautioned me to mind my footing, yet I stepped upon the hem of my nightcoat enough times to draw criticism. Art should fill your feet as well as your hands, my boy. Grace is the grammar of art. Never forget that. When we reached the bottom of the stairs, I could see cold marble flooring, polished so completely it resembled gray glass. We stopped just short of a huge room where a massive archway rose from the sparkling sea of marble. It was like the chiseled mouth of a great whale, perpetually breathing orange light and threatening to swallow the world. You still want to see your wretched mother and your worthless brother and sister, do you? I must have nodded, for we proceeded beyond the yawning archway. Quite suddenly, one memory cannibalized another. I could hear my mother's voice, my true mother, which should not be misinterpreted to mean my real mother. Truth and reality should never be confused for one another, as the two are often the bitterest of enemies. I could hear her clearly, superimposed atop the memory of my father's gallery. Flesh obligates us, doesn't it, Donald? It can determine, sometimes against our preferences, who and what our family will consist of, if you let it. It can force mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters upon us, solidifying our families as surely and as indelibly as a seating chart carved from prehistoric bone. In truth, we are not beholden to such conventions, as I'm sure your father must have explained to you. Skin can be severed, blood can be rechanneled, and even bones can be broken into bridges that span worlds. You needn't be troubled by the whispers of the flesh, Donald. 
as they are often the bearers of half-truths and complete lies. What is the skin when compared to the dreams that are imprisoned beneath it? You and I have different skin, but what lies beneath these weakling layers brings us closer than shadows at dusk. Rest assured, I am your true mother, Donald. And I always will be, no matter what your skin may tell you. My mother's words faded into the first memory, wherein I stood before a large sculpture within my father's great gallery. The sculpture was molded from the preserved trappings of three dead dreams. His creation had been formed from gristle and guts, bones, and plastic-coated brains, broken smiles, and whispered pain. All of it came from the hideously combined and monstrously warped bodies of my remaining biological family members. My mother, brother, and sister had passed into art and beyond the world. Despite the deadness of her eyes, I could feel my mother's gentle gaze upon me, my real mother. It whispered across my face, trying to wipe the tears from my eyes. The lost memories slowly died into the darkness of the dead house. The skin on my back had practically melted from the heat of my father's anger. Anger, perhaps, at my realizing that he was not my real father. My sisters, for their part, danced across my palms hoping to rouse a laugh from me, and yet I stood silent for quite some time, burning, bleeding, and crying. The days when things could remain hidden from me were long gone, and the secret door to my father's gallery yielded to my strength. Unbidden memories and cold air rushed at me as the door swung open, revealing a darkness only slightly younger than myself. As I descended the crudely chiseled stone stairs, the shadows embraced me, welcoming me back. The marble floor was no longer glittering, as time and the advance of the earth had long since laid a thick tarnish across the meticulous stonework. However, the great archway was no less impressive for the passage of time, even if it no longer bellowed the glow of candlelight. Even now, its great jaws appeared ready to devour the world. My world, at least. I lingered at the threshold, wary of the things that might lay beyond. My second father continued to burn me and my sisters still called upon me to play. Yet finally, I walked into the gallery. With my first steps into the antechamber, I was but a shivering child, cold and shaking, in awe of the unknown. With my next steps, 
Memories became my master, and the darkness tumbled beyond time. Small cages hung from the ceiling, each containing the tiny bones of children. Thankfully, the little skeletons had been deprived of their staring eyes. Eyes that had once clawed and pinched at my tender flesh. Here was the room where my father kept a good deal of his most vital art supplies. He insisted that his paint be mixed with the blood of children, as it was, as he said, the protean stuff of dreams, worthy of only the finest artists. My hands glided across the cages, at one point grazing a slender white finger bone. It came away at the touch, and like a last breath, it was light and delicate, yet heavy with finality. To my father, the child was nothing, just an empty tube of paint. I cannot deny my father's methods, but I have always held children to be closer to dreams than any other creature. I have never felt impelled to use them in my own work. All the days I'd spent in this room, the subject of many a hateful and panicked stare, started to overfill me. After all, it was I who delivered them here, into the hands of my father. He would lead me to such beautiful places, filled with love and laughter. I'd fly to them, to play, to laugh, and to lie. He taught me how to play like a cherub, to widen my eyes so as to reflect the blazing sun, to laugh with a soul filled with sugar, and to smile like innocence personified. Of all the things he taught me, the lie was most important. My promise to take them somewhere secret and wonderful, beyond the sun, beyond all eyes. But all paths led to the inside of the same black canvas bag. Then, they'd just hang from the ceiling, encaged and gagged, staring at me. So many eyes, all of them screaming, Betrayer! 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 I just wanted to play with them. I always hoped it would end differently. It never did. Except for the last time, of course, when the two little girls came to me, smiles like crescent moons. The walls of the gallery were like curving glass, the frozen contour of a sea wave sweeping over and above the room, framing the art of hell in cleanest relief. As I looked out across the gallery of dead things, I realized that my own works had yet to outnumber those of my father's. His life was spent almost entirely upon his art and the vast gray streaks that swam through his hair remarked on the length of time he had spent upon the earth. My eyes landed upon the centermost piece, showcased like a diamond upon a bed of silver. It was my father himself, just as I had left him, 
the recollection fell upon me like a ravenous beast, ripping through layers of forced forgetting, sinking stained teeth into the flesh of my hidden, tender memory. And then I remembered. My father was my very first piece of art. The realization drew me into a red memory. When I entered the gallery, my father had already placed the bag he had filled with the two smiling twins upon the floor. He stood at his work area, a place covered in the stains of countless works, then still in their incipiency. As he sorted through a variety of his wicked-looking artist's tools, I immediately noticed something was wrong. The occupants of the bag weren't crying out. In fact, they actually might have been giggling. <laughs> Suddenly, I saw the gleam of a knife as it pierced the big bag. I chose to say nothing. They say curiosity is the muse of any good artist. The girl slipped silently from the bag, twin shadows brandishing bladed smiles. Within seconds, the candlelight was gone replaced with dancing, glittering laughter. A voice from somewhere behind me spoke, filling me with unexpected glee. It whispered, Hello again, Donald. We can't wait to play some more. Our time together has only just begun. My father called out to me, but the tiny voice advised me to remain silent, hissing, I didn't make a sound, only covered my mouth with my hands, concealing my growing smile. I felt the smallest breeze and knew immediately the little girl was gone. My father continued to call for me, his voice growing louder and somewhat doubtful. The whispered slash of a knife transformed my father's words into screams. He pleaded with me to come to him, to help him. I did nothing. From the sound of things, he had started searching clumsily through one of his cupboards. After a moment or two, there came a small click of a flashlight. The beam of light shot frantically about the room, searching occasionally broken by the flitting shapes of the knife-wielding girls. After some additional probing, my father's light discovered me, squatting in a corner with my hands covering a grin that had likely slipped past the edges of my fingers. My father frowned as he put his free hand to the bleeding wound in his left leg. The time has come, boy, for you to take your place within the gallery. There is too much of me in you now. Those eyes of yours, son, cast of the perfect darkness. I've always known what you are, what you would become. This will be my one true sin, to take you from the world. You should have succeeded me, but this life is too much with me now. I can't leave before I've finished. I only hope that I can do you justice. You may be beyond even my skills. As my father's words faded, 
there came a sound like wet thunder trudging through gravel. You're correct about one thing, little man. He's beyond you now. <laughs> my father's light rose from me, ascending well over my head until it fell upon the face of a monster. The beam of light raced around the room chaotically, describing my father's frantic attempts at escape. Despite his best efforts, I heard my father's breath rush from his mouth, and I knew his neck had come into the hands of a monstrous thing. The flashlight fell to the ground, and a gigantic booted foot crushed it into darkness. There was an enduring silence, and I began to wonder if I wasn't dreaming. Suddenly the smell of burning flowers filled the room, and I could hear the sound of late footsteps as they slowly descended the stairs. For whatever reason, I decided to stand up within the pitch. I had known the burning aroma from a dream, and so my confusion at recent events continued to swell causing me to doubt the firmness of my mind and that of the surrounding world. Someone now stood directly in front of me. They knelt down, their soft breath murmuring at my cheeks. I could feel a gaze, even in the dark, falling across my face. I knew it was a woman, with eyes that could pluck out a child's worst fears, turn their pain into colorful laughter. It could have only been my mother, back from the dead, waiting to embrace me. Tears rushed from my eyes as thin arms embraced me, cool lips pressed at my forehead, and the softest hair played at my cheeks. Between my sobs of elation, only a single word escaped my lips. Mother. In a voice I didn't recognize, a woman spoke to me. Indeed my wonderful, glorious child. I am your mother. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 